The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. We are in such trouble. The brakes are off. What do I mean? America is sitting at the top of a of a hill. A mountain. And the Lord has had the parking brake on, and He's been restraining our nation from crashing into oblivion, into wickedness. He's been restraining evil. He's been helping to control elections that matter. The brakes are now off. America is crashing down that mountain road, and at the end will be a horrific crash and destruction. Unless there is a very soon intrusion by God into the course of American history, we are going to crash and burn. Now, please, it's not just America that's in that condition. It's also the American church. I've always admired Franklin Graham and the Samaritan's Purse. And then I learned that he receives a salary of over $600,000 a year for his work with Samaritan's Purse. He receives another probably $400,000 a year for being the head of the Billy Graham Association, two nonprofit corporations. So his annual income would run somewhere between 800 and a million dollars a year. I have a problem with that. I don't like that. I've looked at the salaries of other pastors. I've looked at the finances of some of our leading American pastors. When Billy Graham died, he more than had $20 million. I have a problem with that. John Wesley would have said, you're a thief and a robber. He said, if I have more than six shillings in my pocket when I die, you'll know I'm a thief and a robber.
I'm in a very different place. What are my net assets? I have some furniture in the house. Not new furniture, but furniture. And I have in my checking account a total right now of about $700. The bills for the month are paid. And I'm getting ready to begin paying next month's bills. And when I pay those bills, my personal account will drop to almost zero. And often it does go down to zero. As I help other people, as I pay rent for people as I can, or I pay car insurance for brothers and sisters, or as I I reach out and I give. I I don't want to accumulate cash. I don't want to accumulate investments and properties. I'm a wayf a wayfarer. I'm a stranger. I'm I'm just passing through this land. I'm not interested in money. I want to be able to pay the radio bill. And I was able to give quite a few hundred dollars last month out of my personal account to help make sure that radio could be paid for. And I do that each month as I'm able, and the money is there so that I can be doing the ministry that God has called me to. But I'm only saying this to you to say, please, the American church is big business. One of the pastors in America is worth $760 million. Is it Pentecostal? Flies his jet airplane. We have, we have made the ministry very profitable for many in America. It's not unusual to have a pastor with a a salary here in the Washington metro area of well over $100,000 a year. I guess what I'm trying to say to you today, and say it very soberly, is that God is, is letting the break off for the American church. And the American church is at the top of a mountain and he's removed the brake and we are already moving down into destruction and you see it in the in the wealth you see it in the business attitude you see it in the hardness of heart you see it in the defense of the wicked you see it in the compromise with perversion there's another aspect that we want to talk about today. I see also that God is removing the break from your lives. Many of you, during this virus time, you have found yourself moving deeply into sin. You have more time and your heart goes after the things that you love 
and many of you have very hidden and secret parts of your life that are either so hidden you don't even know about it, or they are open to you, but you decide to push it away, and you don't deal with it because it's frankly too painful. Driven by loneliness, driven by pride, driven by the ability to do it. When I was a boy on the farm, there wasn't much we could do to sin. We lived far from town. We didn't have money. And we spent our time swimming in the river, hoeing the garden, playing tag, and then tag on the bikes we put together through finding parts in the junkyard. And spending a great deal of time in prayer and worship and praise before Jesus as a family and as individuals. It was a very different kind of life. But today you have the money to go pretty much wherever you want to go and do pretty much what you want to do, except some of you have lost your jobs and you're at home. And in that time at home, you have gone into affairs. You have gone into much wickedness. You have found comfort in your violent video games. You call yourself a Christian, but in reality, the lust of your heart consumes you. And God is taking the break off your life. He's letting you be free to run to that which you love. So it's not unusual for me to to hear from people, to talk with people who are in full rebellion against the Almighty God. And I see individual Christians rushing, rushing toward hell because God is removing the hindrances. I can tell you how grateful I am for the many times God has stepped into my life and prevented me from sinning against him when I had every intention of doing that. But he said no, and he changed circumstances, and he took away the opportunity to sin because he knew the temptation was too great for me. But finally the time comes, and it has now come, for the nation corporately, for the church corporately and for you individually when God is releasing the break to let you run full head into whatever it is you want to run to. And if that's not Jesus, you will run into every kind of wickedness. Now in Second Kings, the first chapter, God has taken the break off Ahab. 
and Ahab now has fully run his course and in greed decides to go to war with Aram and does so and the Lord sends an arrow to pierce him and he bleeds out and dies and Ahaziah becomes the new king now Ahaziah has a fall from the lattice or through the lattice on the second floor and he falls and he injures himself rather severely and he immediately wants to know what's going to happen to him and so he sends messengers to go to Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, that is the god of the flies, to see if he will recover from his injury. This was, God has taken the break off in Ahasuerus' life. He has been wicked before Almighty God. He has followed in the ways of Ahab. And God has taken the break off. And so he does not consult the prophet of God, Elijah. Instead, he sends messengers to the God of the flies. And the angel of the Lord comes to Elisha, or Elijah, and he says, Go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, Is it because there's no God in Israel that you're going off to consult the God of the flies? The God of Ekron? Belzebub? Therefore this is what the Lord says, You will not leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. Now let's be clear, Belzebub is also the prosperity god. gold, money. And the modern church has gone off to consult with their real estate advisors, with their investment advisors. They've gone off to secure their treasures, even pastors. And because that break was released and Israel's king is now plunging down that mountain and I'll show you in just a minute the whole nation of Israel is plunging down that mountain just as America is. And the Lord's message to him is it because there's no God in Israel that you're sending money to consult the God of, of money? the god of Ekron? Therefore you will not leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. And the king asks, What kind of man was it that came to meet you and told you this? And they replied, He had on a garment of hair and a leather belt around his waist. 
Well, the only one the king knew who dressed like that was, in fact, Elijah. And he says, that was Elijah. Then he sent a captain, a military captain, with 50 soldiers to go collect Elijah and bring him back to the palace to be held accountable for what he has said to the king. So the captain approaches Elijah, who was sitting on the top of a hill, and he said to him, Man of God, the king says, Come down. Like, they're somebody. Like, they're important. Now, I want you to see something. Elijah fled in terror from Jezebel the queen. But he fled to the mountain of God. And on the mountain of God, he had a new revelation of who God was. And in this revelation, all fear was removed from his heart. And now he knows the power there is, not in his money, not in his skill, not in his great personality. He now knows the power of the Almighty God. That's something we in America don't know anything about. Elijah answered the captain, If I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men. Fire fell from heaven, and it totally burned up this captain and his fifty soldiers. They were utterly destroyed. So now we see that Elijah can stand up against an army of 50 men armed with the latest weapons and fire simply falls and consumes them. He could have done the same to an army of a million men. Elijah is now directly connected to the God of heaven after he appeared to Elijah at the Mount of God. Well, he sends another 50 men, thinking that was just by accident. Coincidence. There are no coincidences with God. So he sends another 50 men, and this captain approaches, all full of himself. Man of God, this is what the king says. Come down at once. And Elijah replies, if I'm a man of God, May fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men. And again fire falls from heaven, and the fifty men with his captain are utterly consumed. Why? Because they have no respect for the living God of heaven. They don't even believe in him. They believe in the God of money. They believe in Beelzebub, the God of flies. So the king sends a third man and 50 men, armed men. This third captain comes up to Elijah, and he falls on his knees before Elijah. Man of God, he begged, please have respect for my life and the lives of these 50 men, your servants. See, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed the first two captains and all their men. But now, would you have respect for my life? 
And the angel of the Lord speaks to Elijah and says, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down with him to the king. And he told the king, This is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel for you to consult that you have sent messengers to consult Belzebub, the god of gold, the god of Ekron? Because you've done this, you will never leave the bed you've been lying on. You will certainly die. So he died according to the word of the Lord from Elijah. He died. America, the American church, and many of you have just had the break released on your life. Something has changed in the heavenlies. And now you can rage that black lives matter. You can demonstrate. You can criticize them. You can judge them. You can curse them. You can do anything you want to do. But the break is off. And your life has begun to move very quickly toward destruction. Do you understand? A man who walks, a woman who walks, a church that walks, a nation that walks in rebellion against the Most High God, the day will come And the Lord will say, okay, that's what you want. I'm turning you over to it. And in the end, you will die. In 1 Kings chapter 17, the king of Assyria invaded the entire land marching against Samaria and laid siege to it for three years. The king of Assyria captured Samaria. They destroyed them and they exported them. They took them away as slaves. Verse 7, All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshipped other gods and followed the practices of the nations that the Lord had driven out before them, as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced. The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. From the watchtower, fortified cities, They built themselves high places in all of their towns. They set up sacred stones and Asherah poles on every high hill and every spreading tree. At every high place they burned incense, as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that provoked the Lord to anger. They worshipped idols, though the Lord had said, You shall not do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all of his prophets and seers, 
turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your fathers to obey and that I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. But you would not listen and were all stiff-necked as their fathers. You did not trust in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and covenants that he'd made with their fathers and the warnings he'd given them. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. Verse 16, they forsook all the commands of the Lord their God. Verse 18, so the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his presence. And verse 41, even while these people were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. Now you come to the New Testament, and it's terrifying. I'm trying to be very dispassionate today. I'm trying to just lay it out very cleanly for you. See, I know that many of you have secret sins in your heart, secret ways, secret jealousies, secret desires. And you're finding ways to fulfill those desires and God will step in the way and he'll frustrate you and he'll try to stop you. But what I'm telling you today is that Lord is saying, I'm taking the brakes off of your life and I'm going to let you plunge down the mountain and your end will be the same as Israel's, America. Christian Church in America. Church member in America. God is releasing the break. And you will have to acknowledge that God warned you. And during this time of lockdown, it was an opportunity for you to repent and get right with Jesus and spend hours reading his word and praying, fasting. Instead, you have spent your time playing foolish games, watching movies, giving way to the lust of your heart, You're in trouble. Let me read it for you. This is Romans, the first chapter, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. God has made himself very plain to you. Many times he's spoken to you about these secret sins. And you say to me, but pastor, this sin is a part of my personality. It's just who I am. I can't help it. 
Well, you can help it. And God demands that you help it by going to Jesus and by being washed in his blood and being transformed into his likeness. Hell is going to be full of people who call themselves Christians but held on to their secret sins. Some of you are cheating with money. Some of you are cheating with sex. Some of you are cheating with witchcraft. Some of you are just in plain rebellion against the Lord God of heaven. but you know in your heart what you're doing. And you thought you could get away with it. You thought, oh, it's not a big thing. Oh, it's a big thing. As God takes the break off, it will begin to develop itself in its fullness in your life, bringing forth death. Verse 21, For although they knew God, They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who was forever to be praised. So God gave them over to the shameful lusts. Verse 28, Since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy and murder and strife and deceit, malice. They're gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but approve of those who practice them. Most clearly, this is watching the movies with people doing things that are utterly wicked and sinful, but in your heart you're approving of them and cheering them on. Same with television. Same with YouTube videos. You choose the physical realm over the spiritual realm. Now I'm desperately concerned because I see America beginning to plunge down that mountain with rioting and anarchy. I see the freedom of speech as being utterly removed from America. I actually have read about people 
who have been fired for something their husband or wife wrote on Facebook. We're not allowed to speak about certain things. If we do, we'll be censored. I see the cheap destruction of property, the tearing down of monuments. I'm not going to argue whether those monuments should have ever been erected or not. That's a whole other question. But the fact is they had no right to tear them down. They had no right to burn businesses. Oh, they're doing it because they think there's racism in America. No, there's wickedness in America. There's evil, and they participated and increased the evil. And God is letting the break off for America to go into a full civil war if we're not very careful. And America, as we know it, is being destroyed, and the financial realm is being destroyed by our Federal Reserve. The debt is increasing at such a rapid rate. I praise God for some in the news media who are willing to call it like it is. I praise God for them. But I see America being torn apart. Why is that? Because evil is running rampant in our country. And most are not even addressing the issue, but only hiding in their own personal wickedness. I am shocked by corporations who adopt perversion. I'm shocked by corporations who don't just produce a good product, but now they're going to be in favor of abortion, murder of babies. I'm shocked by how quickly our corporations have taken a dive into utter total wickedness and perversion. The vile wretchedness of the human heart is being set free in America. And the church that should be standing in the gap with pastors standing up and saying, no, this can't go on. They're not going to do that because for them it's a business. They can speak their pleasant little words and not confront the wickedness and they can still draw their big salary and become millionaires. They can write their books, they can produce their movies, they can become very wealthy and powerful. They are racing down the hill to destruction. I know that if there is not a great revival in the American church, there will never be another revival in America. For we are on a downward course of utter destruction. Oh, we have wonderful pastors who are pleasing, who are loving, who know how to speak a smooth word, who know how to handle themselves socially. 
as they draw their big checks. I'm sorry. I just don't buy into this American church. It is becoming wicked to the core. Look at the United Methodist Church. Look at the Episcopal Church. And I could name many others, but those are just the most recent. Utterly filled with cowardly darkness. I see the American church has bought into modernity in the American dream. And God is taking the break off. And he's going to allow the church in America to plunge into an abyss of destruction unless there is the intervening hand of God one more time to say stop. Stop. It may be that the American church can only be saved by intense persecution and death. I don't know what it will take. I pray it won't take that to turn our hearts. Everybody is interested in their stomach. Everybody is interested in their well-being and they're getting ahead and they're getting married and they're doing this and they're doing that and, and life is good and their jobs are taking care of them and they've got their money. Please. Please. It's called idolatry. It's called Beelzebub. So as God turns us over, both corporately as the church and individually, there is suddenly a great surge of wickedness that floods into our heart with sexual impurity, with greed, with envy, murder, strife, every kind of wickedness. Until finally, the Lord passes judgment. The break has been on in the church and in the nation and in your life to cause you in his kindness, in his tolerance, in his, in his patience to lead you toward repentance. But chapter 2, verse 5, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed and God will give to each person according to what he has done. But for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. This is what's coming. My brother, my sister, 
It's not enough for you to say, yes, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Yes, I'll follow Jesus. No, you've got to then deal with all the sin as the Holy Spirit calls you into righteousness. As we have these hidden parts of our heart, that we lust after. Things so intricately designed into our heart and spirit that when we finally see them clearly for what they are, we begin to repent. And that's why in revival there is a time of weeping. There's a time of utter shame before God as we begin to see the truth about who we've been and what we've done. And when we begin to be confronted with that, we must either make a decision that we are going to plunge on in our wickedness and believe a lie that we're saved in spite of our sin, or we must deal with our sin. And revival happens when we begin to confess before God the truth about our life and our sin. And as we confess the truth about our life and our sin, great sorrow will fill our hearts. And we will be utterly ashamed before a holy God for what we have thought and what we have done and what we have tried to do. And we will then see how God has stepped in the way and prevented us from giving way to this evil in our hearts. Some pastors that I have dearly loved, that I have honored. I could never understand why at their place in their walk with Jesus, they would still talk about how the devil would try to trip them up and call them and they would have to go before Jesus and spend hours praying before they could gain the victory enough in their heart to go preach again that they felt like phonies. One pastor said to me, I knew I was a phony and I had to go pray about it. Well, you want to know the truth? He was doing many good things for God, but he was a phony because he was reserving for himself parts of his heart that he would not allow God to have. Do you understand that when we walk in ways that are opposed to the ways of God, our heart begins to shut the Holy Spirit out and we can't hear his voice anymore. And some of you, dear brothers and sisters, you can't hear the voice of God. And if I were to confront you personally and I was to say to you, please tell me, can you hear the voice of God? You would say, no, pastor, I can't hear the voice of God. I just have to read the scriptures when I can and and learn what I can learn, but I don't hear the voice of God. How do you hear the voice of God, pastor? You can't hear the voice of God if you resist what he says to you about your sin. He will leave you. And at some point, if you don't repent of that sin, he will take the break off. And you will end up dying like Ahab with an arrow in your gut. 
or you'll die in a car accident, or you'll die in some way. Your life will be ended quickly because you would not allow God to deal with that sin. Maybe because you have, like the rich young ruler, too much money. Maybe you have too much pride and you won't let God have that thing which he's put his finger on and said, I want you to let me have that. And you said no, and the Holy Spirit left you. So now your life in Jesus is a life of going to church, going through the rituals, but you're dead inside. Your marriage with God is dead. Your marriage with God is dead. Because you won't surrender that sin. You cling to it. And I'm telling you today, brother, sister, hear me. God is taking the break off that sin and he's going to let you go full force headlong into that sin, whatever it is. If it's a lust for sex, if it's a lust for money, if it's a lust for ambition, whatever the lust is in your heart, he's going to say, okay, enough. Go. Go. And you're going to die in your sin. You're going to be destroyed and you'll miss heaven. I don't say these things to you lightly today and I don't say them from any position of power or authority. I say them by the presence of the Holy Spirit. I say them from the Scripture. As a thus saith the Lord, he has taken the break off wickedness in your life. And now you either repent and get right with him. American church, you either repent and get right with him. Pastors, you either repent and get right with Jesus. Or he's going to let you go into that depth of perversion and sin that's been calling after you. And he's been protecting you from. Almighty God, I know that you have removed the break on wickedness for America. I know you have removed the break on the American church and its wickedness. And I know that you have removed the break on wickedness for every person listening to this broadcast and the remaining members of the Christian church in America. And either we turn and repent or we will be destroyed. I am praying, Lord, for your kindness and your mercy that you would come and deal with our sin, that you would give us eyes that could see and ears that could hear, that we would not rush headlong into destruction. Almighty God, I know you are the loving God of salvation. 
and you have cried out after America for years, and you've cried out after the American church, and you've cried out to my for my brothers and sisters, for me. Lord, let us heed your word today and repent to fast and to pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. I invite you to call in and pray with repentance for America, for the church. You can write to me. I live by faith. And the bill for this month is coming due for radio. If you want to share, write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And thank you, Ellen, for your gift. I saw it this morning. She went to nationalprayerchapel.com and gave online. Thank you. Dear sister, she's been so faithful before the Lord. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com and you can give online. Or the sermons are there. I urge you to subscribe on YouTube and post this on your social media sites. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.